All right, welcome back to Weird Distractions Podcast. I'm your host, Alex. And Christy. Um, thank you for joining us for episode two. Um, hopefully, if anyone else is listening other than us, um, <laughs> you were able to bear our first episode story of Roque Terrio and the Ant Hill Kids. Um, and my bad pronunciation of last names and French. In other words. <laughs> um, so once again, we are provide a podcast that gives people a bit of a distraction um, from everyday life, whether you're dealing with a bad breakup, um, a fight with a friend, or a fight with your parents. Um, we want to provide these weird and wild stories as a way to distract yourself from all the terrible things with more terrible stories. Basically, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah, in a nutshell. Um, we are kind of trying to be funny. I mean, I, I think we're hilarious, but... Could be one-sided, yeah. <laughs> Could be one-sided. <laughs> um, but ultimately, we're trying to add in humor where um, there is a bit of darkness. Um, Christy and I are both into kind of the weird, dark side of things. Um, I am, for one, a big paranormal person. I love ghost stories and ghost shows and uh, true crime junkie. And I think, Christy, you're kind of on the same boat yeah, I love all things, yeah, crime, and we just like dark things, scary movies, is your jam. So we just like to things, listen to scary things and make things lighthearted for fun. Yes, because as of, as, well, right now, currently, it's April 2020, and we're still going through COVID-19. Um, Christy and I are both deemed essential workers, so we are still working amidst all this chaos. So this podcast um, is a really good way for us to talk about so, all the weird shit we like. It's our little release. We like to get away from the real world and just kind of take back and make fun of things and hope you enjoy what we like to say. Exactly. So without further ado, this week's Weird Distraction is a little less gory um, from our story last week. Um, And essentially what I'm going to be providing is some conspiracies. So... Um, so actually these are, I, I don't know how to word it, so I'm just going to say conspiracy identities. Um, and these identities came out of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy back in 1963. Um, there were actual, mul- there, there were actually multiple, like, conspiracy identities around this assassination because this assassination, I think even to this day, um, is still highly debated of what actually went down. Um, mm-hmm. and, if, and if you live under a rock or you were born, you know, if you're, what is it? Not millennial, but what's after millennials? Like Gen the, Z or something like that? Gen, yeah. If you're a Gen Z and you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Um, get with it. Get with, first of all, read a book. Second of all, if you can't read the book, go on Google. Because... You're basically born on Google. Um, So, essentially, JFK, uh, President John F. Kennedy, who I'm going to refer to throughout this entire podcast as JFK, just because it just sounds nicer, it just flows easier, and as you're aware, uh, I sometimes have problems speaking. (laughs) I'm not dumb, I just trouble talk. (laughs) 
Um, he, JFK was in Dallas, Texas on November 22nd, 1963, during a presidential motorcade where he was shot by a suspected gunman, Lee Harvey Oswald, along in the vehicle with JFK was his wife, Jacqueline, Jackie, uh, Texas Governor John Connolly, Connelly, and Connolly's wife, Nellie. Um, I think... So there were a lot of identities that came out of this assassination. I think I've already mentioned that, but if not, um, so the identities that came out were the Umbrella Man, Babushka Lady, the Badge Man, and the Three Tramps. Um, so I think maybe in a later episode we'll come back and just see, maybe talk about the rest of them that I didn't cover today. But um, today we are going to dive into the Umbrella Man and the Babushka Bushka lady and even I, I think even later on we might even talk about some of the conspiracy theories around the assassination itself but today we're just focusing on the umbrella man and the babushka lady so let's start with the umbrella man so the umbrella man name was given based on a figure who appears in the film being the only person seen carrying opening and overall just having an umbrella on this that sunny November day. He was also one of the closest bystanders to JFK when he was first struck by a bullet and reportedly was captured in films and photographs. So essentially, um, once the footage and the films came out from the JFK assassination, people noticed that there was just this random dude with a black umbrella just chilling. And it wasn't like a rain, like a rainy day. It wasn't downpouring. It wasn't anything. It was a sunny day in November, and this dude was just standing there with an umbrella. Maybe so, he's like, allergic to the sun. It's fine. <laughs> you know, and I bet you no one went through that process. They're probably like, nope, he's a killer. And actually, he wasn't. I, I can't confirm or deny that. But um, so on the day that uh, when JFK's limousine approached. Um, the umbrella man opened and lifted the umbrella high above his head, then spun or panned the umbrella from east to west clockwise as the president passed him. After the assassination, the umbrella man sat down on the sidewalk next to another man before getting up and walking towards the Texas School Book Depository, which is now the home of the Dallas Admin Building. So, kind of weird. A little suspicious. Yeah. A little suspicious. Like... First of why all, you, why are you dancing with the umbrella on the street? Like, why why? Dance, like this is not like this is way before Rihanna's umbrella came out. So I mean, we can't that that's a theory we cannot dive into, unfortunately, because that would be hilarious. But no, um, it, it's weird. It's weird. So speculation first came from the assassination from assassination researchers Josiah Thompson and Richard Sprague who noticed the open umbrella in a series of photographs. Thompson and Sprague suggested that the umbrella man may have been acting as some form of signaler, opening his umbrella to signal go ahead, then raising it to communicate fire second round to another gunman around. It was also theorized that the umbrella itself was a weapon, which, like, I need Like the gun was in it, or what? <laughs> and that's the thing. So people thought that the umbrella itself was a weapon because they thought that when it opened, it could fire darts. But I'm like, if it's firing darts, wouldn't it fire behind and like all over? Like that, yeah, that's, that's a, a bad lot, theory. Right? Like that's a lot of, anyways, a lot of bullshit if you ask me. But uh, <laughs> there, 
is a conspiracy theory that the CIA and the Umbrella Man were connected somehow with the JFK assassination, which, oh boy. If the CIA is listening, please do not kill us. We are just reporting what I read online. Um, based on the wonderful video done by my favorite, the BuzzFeed Unsolved guys, uh, supposedly the CIA had motives to get rid of JFK, as apparently JFK found out that the CIA was planning on assassinating Fidel Castro, in which the CIA worry, was worried that JFK may have a different agenda with Fidel or put an end to their plans. Fidel's life had been attempted numerous times, including the Bay of Pigs invasion in Cuba. A brief summary of the Bay, Bay of Pigs invasion. Uh, it started when a CIA-financed and trained group of Cuban refugees landed in Cuba and attempted to end the government of Fidel, Fidel Castro. The attack was reported to be an utter failure. Because, I mean, like, he didn't die, so... <laughs> uh, um, when, could you imagine just being told, like, you have to go kill Fidel Castro and we're going to drop you off in this you know, Bay Area, and you're going to have to try and kill him, and going home after with him still being alive, and having to go home to your wife and family, or whomever, and being like, yeah, we just didn't do it, like, and just go home and be like, um, so I effed up, and we're probably going to die, that's fine. Yeah. Um, when the smoke had cleared after the Bay of Pigs and invasion jfk changed up cia members which apparently left a sour taste for some so essentially jfk was like you didn't do it i'm switching everybody around you're going to this department you're going to this department so on and so forth which like fair enough but you know maybe maybe didn't sit well with the cia members so during the um invasion jfk also refused to provide additional military support despite a claim that the CIA offered an, quote-unquote, umbrella of air support. Da-na-na-na. Ooh. The use of the word umbrella has been taken and attached to the umbrella man seen in the videos and photos from JFK's assassination. However, this conspiracy theory has never been proven to be accurate. So essentially, someone saw that, found out the information about the Bay of Pigs and how the CIA offered an umbrella of support. They're like, you know what? That is totally in connection to Umbrella Man. Like, totally. Like and, then ran <laughs> and then ran with it. Which, like, that's a stretch. Like, I'm all... Far stretch, yes. Yeah. I I'm all for weird conspiracy theories, but you gotta have a little bit more than just a word, right? Mm. When an appeal came to the public by the United States House Select Committee on Assassinations, also referred to as... H-S-C-A. A man by the name of Louis Stephen Witt came forward in 1978 and claimed to be the Umbrella Man. Louis was born in October of 1924, and during his testimony, he described himself as a conservative type. Witt claimed still to have the umbrella and claimed that he did not know he had been the subject of such controversy. So essentially, this guy comes in, he's like, yeah, that's me on film. I... I <laughs> This is my umbrella. I, I had the umbrella, and uh, that's it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, not that interesting. Um, but essentially, uh, Wick claimed that he brought the umbrella simply to, to heckle Kennedy, whose father, Joseph Kennedy, had been a supporter of the Nazi-appeasing British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain. 
Louis explained that by waving a black umbrella, Chamberlain's trademark fashion accessory, what said he was protesting the Kennedy family appeasing Hitler before World War II. So essentially it was like a, a fashion statement. Like it wasn't... There's was no darts. It was, yeah. No, it was just like he was tipping off the fact that he didn't like what JFK's dad did or didn't like the support that his dad had, you know, provided um, back way back when and what the connection with the British prime minister at the time. So he brought this, umbre- he brought this umbrella to be like, ha ha, heckle, heckle. I'm, I'm just going to dance for you. Yeah. So J- JFK, who wrote a thesis on appeasement while at Harvard, and it's called Why England Slept If Anyone Has the Time and Wants to Read It, which I have not, so sorry, um, might, you know, have recognized the symbolism of the umbrella. So, like, Witt went in and was like, yeah, I'm going to bring this umbrella. He's going to know what it means. And because, you know, JFK actually wrote about it and probably, you know, heard his dad talk about it, you know, he he, he put two and two together. Um Louis believed that he simply was at the wrong place at the wrong time. He was never convicted or found at fault of anything in correlation of the JFK assassination. And eventually, Louis Witt died on November 17th, 2014. He was 90 years old. And that's kind of it regarding the Umbrella Man. Like, nobody... So, it's weird because... Yeah, that one's not very eventful, yeah. No, but essentially... They, everyone was, like, up in arms, like, oh, my gosh, there's this guy with an umbrella, blah, 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 and, like, he must have killed JFK and all this other stuff. But at the end of it, it's just this random dude who's, like, I wanted to make a scene, a fashion statement, if you will, um, to JFK, and then that was it. Like, there was no... Yeah, there's wrong place, wrong time, and someone yeah. died, and that was yeah the bad place. <laughs> this is why you don't leave your home. <laughs> like, straight up, this is why you don't leave your home. This is This is... This is an example of why I don't. Know. Hashtag stay at home COVID. Yeah. Hashtag stay the fuck at home. Um, so now on to the babushka lady, which I just love saying babushka because it just, I don't know. It's so fancy. Babushka. Babushka. It just sounds great. Um, so this one's also similar to the Umbrella Man where... I feel like after the video and after the like photographs came out, people are just wanting to figure out if Lee Harvey Oswald actually killed JFK and if there was some other meaning. Because, you know, I think it was such a huge loss for Americans back then and, you know, still a huge loss now. But they're just trying to find any any way to definitively prove it. And there's some like weird characters that were there that day. Anyways, back to the babushka lady. So she was an unknown woman present during the assassination um, who might have photographed the events that occurred in Dallas um, near the Dealey Plaza at the time JFK was shot. Her nickname arose from the headscarf she wore, which appeared similar to scarves worn by elderly Russian women. So this lady was seen holding a camera during the assassination and was picked up in video... And photographs taken that day. The last photographs taken that day have headed have her headed with the crowds towards what was the grassy knoll, now known as the Dealey Plaza. However, the photographs taken were hard to determine the woman. So essentially, they have this woman in like a head like a headscarf, which is also mm-hmm. referred to like well, not referred to, but essentially what 
typically elderly what um, Russian women wear. And they're like, who is this lady? And what, like, she's the only one dressed like this. Okay. So similar to the Umbrella Man, you're going to stick out. <laughs> like, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. I'm sorry. But, wrong place, um, wrong time, apparently. Exactly. So it wasn't until 1970 when a woman by the name of Beverly Oliver told conspiracy research Gary Shaw at a church revival revival meeting in Joshua, Texas, that she was, in fact, the babushka lady. <laughs> she explained that she filmed the assassination with her Super 8 film, Yashika, and that she gave the footage over to two men who identified as FBI agents. Oliver also declared that she never saw the FBI agents again and never followed up to get the footage back because she just assumed that, like, hey, these guys are saying they're FBI. I'm going to give them what they want. Yeah. So... According to attorney Vincent Baglosi, uh, there has been no actual proof or satisfied enough people that she was even at the Dealey Plaza. So this guy was just like, Beverly Oliver is spitting some shit. Like, she's like, we can't even pin her there. Um, and not only that, but the camera that Oliver said she had wasn't even invented until 1969. Yeah, so, like, lady doing exactly so like essentially she goes up she's like it was me it was i i'm the babushka lady and i had this magical camera and i was there and it, it, it and you know it's just yeah, i'm gonna make it the story and then it makes yeah. sense because i'm just spewing shit chasing the fame if i do say so myself um but essentially she fired back and said no i had an experimental model that that was from a friend and backtrack saying she wasn't even sure the manufacturer's name on the camera so she comes out and says, like, I have a Super 8 film, Yashika. And then when she gets called out, she's like, I don't even know the manufacturer's name on it. I don't know what you're talking about. So it's like, ah, come you on, You're so shit, lady. Yeah. So the previous mentioned House Select Committee of Assassinations came out in 1979 to state that they could not locate any film of the Babushka lady and noted that initially Robert Gordon, a photographic consultant to the committee, advised the panel as to pertinent photographic issues and related materials. Committee investigators located many of the suggested films and photographs, however, some were never located, i.e. the Babushka Lady film, a color photograph by Norman Simas, and the original negative of the Betzner photograph. Um, during a public hearing of, for, of the Assassination Records Review Board in November 1994, Assassination research Gary Mack testified before the board that he had recently been told by an executive at Kodak Dallas office, at the Kodak Dallas office, sorry, that a brunette woman who appeared to be in her early 30s brought in a film and claimed to be, claimed it to be the assassination of JOK, uh, while Kodak was already processing the Zapruder film. So the Zapruder film, for those who don't know, is the actual film of JFK being assassinated. So this lady apparently walks into the Kodak um, office in Dallas, which Kodak, please, please, if you don't know, is like a major photograph company. And if you don't know that, uh, read a book, like read a book or Google something. I don't know. Get help. Even now, I know it's a little older, but still, you should know. Still, Um, according to Mac, the executive disclosed to the one. Disclose that the woman, sorry, claimed to take a picture with some people in the foreground of the presidential limo and the administration building. However, the photographs were extremely blurry uh, and the woman had left without leaving her name or contact information. 
So Mac believed that Oliver wasn't the babushka lady, but and emphasized that she certainly could be, but the rest of her, the story, assumingly Oliver's, is a fabrication. So in front of the same review board, um, just to kind of make matters worse for Oliver, she actually disclosed that she was only 17 when JFK's assassination took place. And she shared again that she was filming with an experimental 8mm movie camera and was approximately 20 to 30 feet when JFK was assassination. Once again, she disclosed that she was approached by FBI agents who confiscated the film. So she says that she was filming, you know, first it was with this really special camera. Now she's not even saying the name of the camera um, because she backtracked before and said, I don't know the manufacturer. Um, And now she's... Now she's saying, you know, the FBI still came and asked her. So that part of the story is still the same. But then it kind of takes a nosedive when she says she outwardly disclosed that she obliged with these two quote-unquote FBI agents because she was worried of being caught with marijuana. She had pot on her and she's like, yeah, I'm just going to give you the film because I don't want you to frisk me or anything. You know what I mean? So she, that that's, yeah, she essentially kind of is a little bit all over the place with her storytelling. And unfortunately, yeah. that is it for the babushka lady. No one could identify who this one was. It probably wasn't anyone of severe, um, not severe, but anyone of like important significance. Like, yeah, like I doubt she was there. I, I don't doubt. I doubt she was there to harm the president. She probably was just a bystander. But people, once again, because it was such a huge loss for America. I think a lot of people took anything that they found somewhat um, somewhat of an answer and just tried to grasp yeah, at it and say yeah. this is what's going on. Grasping for straws, right? So uh, my resources for this episode is, once again, Wikipedia. Because Wikipedia is amazing and you should donate to them if you can. Um, I also have... <laughs> A website called McAdams, there we go, I can read, McAdams.postc.mu.ed, which is actually the testimony testimony of Louis Stephen Witt. Like, it actually goes through his actual testimony. So that was that was wild. Um, as well as mentioned, uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved video, The Suspicious Assassination of JFK. And you can find that on YouTube. Um and honestly, I just really recommend watching BuzzFeed and Salt because they're great. Um, once again, thank you for listening. This episode's a little bit shorter than last week. Um, a little bit of a, a little bit of a treat um, in comparison, <laughs> and not as gory or gross as last week's episode, which was the Ant Hill Kids once again in Rokterio. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We have a Twitter account. Um, we are at weirddistracti1 on Twitter, and if you have any uh, feedback, any suggestions, any questions, please, please don't harass us with mean words because we're very sensitive. Um, but you can email us. No at, trolls. No trolls, please. Um, you can find it. You, sorry, you can email us at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. Um, we may hop on other social media platforms. We'll see how things go. Um, as of right now, we're going to be trying to get on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We might jump around later on, uh, depending on, once again, how things go. Um, and I think that's it for me, other than thanking everyone for listening. And once again, 
Um, maybe sometime in the future I might cover some conspiracy theories around JFK's assassination and the other identities um, that kind of came out of it, which include the Badge Man and the Three Tramps, because um, they sound interesting, but definitely and not. And if you have any other theories that you know of that you think are interesting, again, email or tweet us, and we can share those two with the next episode if we get to it. Yeah, like if you have any corrections, don't hesitate to say, like, Alex, Christy, what the hell? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You forgot this, this, and this. And I would honestly be so thankful for that. Just please be nice. Again, sensitive Sally's over here. Again, just uh, thank you guys for tuning in to our weird distractions and hope it gave you a little bit of distraction from stuff going on around the world today. And just keep tuning in as always. All right. Thank you for listening. And thank you, guys. Stay weird. Bye.